Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Hey everybody, welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious, certified, gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle, or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. All right, guys, uh, we're doing things a little bit differently today. Usually I go to practice and then record the podcast, but I wanted to give this a run, uh, doing it in the morning so that maybe you guys can catch today's podcast on your commute, you know. I have a bunch of other stuff I got to get done today, so I want to try knocking this out before. I don't know. We'll give it a run. I know this is what the Broncos guys do. They always head out to practice early and tape their show from Dove Valley before the Broncos podcast, or before the Broncos practice, before they get to go out on the field and watch these guys. And they like doing it that way, so I figured I'd give it a run too. Uh, Let's jump into it, though. So the big news today is that quarterback Sam Neuer is switching positions. He's going to play safety for the Buffs this season. That's a that's a surprise. That's not something that I expected. You know, I haven't gotten to see him play much. It just seems strange switching from quarterback to safety, but I guess we'll see what he can do. 64220 that's massive massive for uh for a safety i don't know it's going to be interesting because he does have some advantages too uh we talked about how mel tucker wants to have uh almost so he has nate landman making all the checks from the middle of the defense you know reading the offensive line setting up all the run fits uh figuring out where pressure is going to come from uh, calling out some coverages too that's part his responsibility but he wants a second guy on this defense to help out with that. Uh, particularly, he wants a safety. He wants his free safety, somebody deep who can see everything, to double-check all of the coverages. So you'd think that as a former quarterback, Sam Neuer would be pretty good at that he'd have the football sense to see what's going on and shift the safeties and cornerbacks into the right position so that's interesting um again 
huge surprise to me. You know, he came out of spring camp third on the depth chart behind Tyler Lytle and or and Steven Montez and ahead of Blake Stenstrom. I wonder I wonder what happened. I mean, for if if you're thinking from Mel Tucker's perspective, you know that Steven Montez is your guy. You know that he's the starting quarterback. You need to keep your number two quarterback as a quarterback because there's a good chance at some point this season he's going to see the field. Whether Montez is having a bad game, whether Montez, you know, knock on wood, gets hurt, backup quarterback usually sees the field. Third string quarterback, pretty rare. And it makes you wonder if even Stenstrom may have passed Neuer, and that's why it's so he, he was expendable. And was they were willing to let him make that switch to safety, which is going to be interesting. Like I said, I haven't really gotten a chance to see him play because I didn't get to watch the spring practices. Uh, I didn't get to watch the spring game. I mean, I mean, I heard 13 of 15 for 195 yards and two touchdowns, which makes me think that he can sling the ball just a little. <sighs> He he might have the athleticism, but it's it's a strange move. It's a really strange move. And if he wasn't going to see the field, then I guess this is what you'd want to do. I mean, a lot of the time you see quarterbacks switch to tight end. Um, a lot more often than you see him switch to safety. And that could also have been a fit for the Buffs, because I mean, they they have you know Brady Russell. They have Jalen Harris, the transfer from uh, Auburn, and they have uh, Darian Jones, and so those are all th- those are three good tight ends, but none of them are you know running away with a job. None of them are guys that you think you you expect to be competing for All Pac twelve honors. I mean, it's certainly possible for any of them, but right now they're not getting that sort of hype. So there is kind of a hole, not a hole at tight end, but there's much more room for improvement there. You know, safety is interesting because I feel like they have a lot of talent there already. Um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about how the depth is scarce in the secondary and that's certainly true, but at safety, I mean, we're, we're starting to, see guys step up you know Aaron Maddox I think is going to hold down the starting free safety job then you have guys like Mark Perry uh Rakestraw you know there there, you have options back there and I think more than anything I just want to see what it looks like having Sam Neuer uh line up at safety I mean he's got to be more of like a strong safety at 220 pounds it's tough to see him just like roaming the back end of the defense. He's also six four. Maybe he is just rangy. It's a. Uh, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Neuer might actually be deeper on the depth chart at safety than he would have been at quarterback. Now that I think of it, because you know it's Aaron Maddox, Mark Perry, Trey Udofia, Darian Rakestraw. I mean, if if you think those are your top four guys at the two positions, then 
I guess Sam Neuer's down to the third string. It's, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's really interesting. I think the most important news here is that uh, outside linebacker Jamar Montgomery wears number four on the defense, which is Sam Neuer's number. So Sam is going to have to change numbers. So we'll see. I'm a big believer that numbers play a huge role in determining success for pretty much anybody in football. So that's the first step for him. Uh, one more note on Sam Neuer. He is a junior, so he's eligible this season. He's eligible next season. So this might not be just about uh, just about 2019. They may spend some time trying to get his body less of a quarterback shape and more into a safety shape. And they have a full year to do that before they really would need production. You know, and even then they don't need it. They have more safeties who will be around. Uh, so, I don't know. Hopefully we'll at least get to see some special teams work. That's that's what I think I'd really like to see out of this. Just to see how he moves. See whether he looks the part. Uh, it's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer, established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. You'll be able to see all of the events we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. So I know I pushed this yesterday, but we're going to start talking about it every day because it's really important. Saturday, we're having BSN Denver is hosting a uh, Broncos preseason watch party at Blake Street Tavern. It's going to be a blast. It's also the first night of college football. While the Bronco game is going on, we'll be able to watch Miami uh, versus Florida, and we'll get to watch Arizona versus Hawaii. Two games that I am really excited to see. And, in, you know, if we get enough of us, we could probably, like, commandeer that party, turn it into a Buffs watch party, or I guess not Buffs watch party, but a college football watch party instead of a Broncos preseason watch party. And I think that'd be a lot of fun. And then we could rub it in Zach and Ryan's face. They'll be there. Everybody will be there. It's going to be a blast. Uh, hopefully you'll be there too. Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here. And we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Weinster is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Weinster is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Weinster, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Weinster is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. 
What's also ideal about Weinster is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Weinster.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. All right, moving along now. Sports Illustrated put together a bunch of lists for college football's 150th anniversary, which I guess is this year. So that's cool, I guess. I don't know. Um, but they went through and made lists of like the top 10, you know, greatest rivalries in college football history, greatest traditions, greatest games, uh, individual performances in, in a game, best fight songs, best programs, best upsets. Uh, coaches, stadiums, uh, college towns, best bowl games, um, all sorts of stuff. It's a whole list of things, and the series finally ended. And so we want to run back through that real quick and talk about where the buffs fell, just because it's always fun to get mad about this kind of stuff. Um, first, college football's greatest college towns. Boulder made the list. Um, but Boulder's number six. Here's what they had to say about Boulder. Said, uh, even though Denver has essentially crept to the edge of Boulder's boundaries, the home of the University of Colorado remains an altogether separate experience from the state's largest city. With the beautiful flat irons in the background, visit downtown's Pearl Street Mall for food and shopping, or just go up to the mountains themselves. Boulder also has great public transportation and is about as bike-friendly as a city can be. In the grand scheme of things, you know, sixth out of 130 is pretty good but it still just never really feels like it's enough you know you go to boulder i'm always thinking like what could be better and they say what's better is columbia missouri ann arbor michigan austin texas athens georgia and number one madison wisconsin so i don't know i haven't been to all those places so i'm not sure if i should really have a take Seems like Boulder should be way up toward the top. Sixth isn't bad, I guess. Here's where things start to get frustrating, though. Greatest traditions in college football. Number 10, the turnover chain at Miami, which I didn't that just start this year? Or maybe two years ago? That's a new thing, the turnover chain. I don't, like, sure, it's really cool. It's one of my, I think it's one of the coolest things in college football. It's a little early to call that one of the great traditions of college football, though, right? Especially when we're supposed to be like looking back over the last 150 years. It's this thing that popped up last season that's super cool. I'm sure like way back in like 1910, somebody had some clever idea that they did for one season. And I have no idea what that'd be, that would even be. But it's a thing that happened that was probably just as cool as a turnover chain, which just hasn't been a long or yeah hasn't been around long enough um number nine marching in army navy game eight cowbells at mississippi state uh country roads of west virginia the 12th man at texas a&m tumors corner at auburn and then number four ralphie's run at colorado again you know it's way up at the top of like 130 colorado has the fourth best tradition but it's when you see the things in front of it that it kind of gets frustrating that's only fourth. Number three, dotting the I, Ohio State. Um, you know, the end of their 
like pregame, whatever. Uh, the band's on the field. They're all playing. They spell out Ohio. And then somebody walks over and dots the I on Ohio. So there's that. Howard's Rock at Clemson. Again, like pretty cool. They, they all like rub the rock up by the stadium and like run down. That's cool. But this is the one that gets me. Number one, Sooner Schooner, Oklahoma. <sighs> because it's... <laughs> It's two horses pulling a, a a little buggy that's sooner colored onto the field before the game. How is that cooler than a buffalo? I don't get it. Like who who would rather go to a f- football game or anywhere? It doesn't even have to be a football game. Who would rather see two horses pull a uh, whatever? I don't even know what to call that. Like a little wagon, I guess. More than they'd want to see a buffalo. Like, it, it's tough to compare Ralphie with Howard's Rock, dotting the I. Like, you want to put those in front? Sure, those are, like, old-school college football things. But to put, like, something so similar, like, Sooner Schooner at the top of the list ahead of Ralphie, I don't know about that. I really don't know about that. Um, All right. The Buffs made one more list, and... We're going to get to that right now. This is one that you guys have probably seen on Twitter uh, because people were really upset. And, you know, that's valid. That's why we like lists, because they make us upset. Um, the greatest mascots in college football history. Number 10, University of Tennessee, Smokey, uh, Otto the Orange from Syracuse, uh, Big Red, Western K- Kentucky University, Cocky the Gamecock, University of South Carolina. Number 6, University of Colorado, Ralphie the Buffalo it's it's a buffalo <laughs> how is the buffalo not better than you know number five stanford university the tree i mean i don't know i think i'm higher on the tree than most people just because it's so weird looking like it is so unique with the pants and the eyes that get covered by the i don't know if you call those leaves it's just so strange and it's such a terrible idea like it looks awful like it looks so 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 bad that i kind of do like it it's kind of like when gritty first came out for the flyers that flyers new mascot about two years ago everybody was like wow what are they doing this is the worst mascot in sports but then they just totally like played into it the flyers did and now gritty is just iconic and hilarious and everybody's kind of figured out the joke i feel like stanford with the tree I don't know the personality much of how that works, but but it's incredibly awkward to look at, and I respect that. Um, number four, Bevo, University of Texas, a real Longhorn. Yeah, I guess that's cool. Number three, Louisiana State University, Mike the Tiger. Number two, University of Oregon, the Duck. I mean, it's really hard to compare mascots in costumes to real live mascots but i go with a live mascot like every time again like mike the tiger behind a guy in a duck costume just doesn't make sense like who is more excited to see a guy in a duck costume i don't think anybody is i think it'd be silly to be excited about that i mean sure it's like turned into this kind of iconic look but i mean it's a duck costume 
and that is not cooler than a tiger. Okay, number one, Aga, University of Georgia. This is an interesting one because I think going through the other animals and comparing them, it was more about like what's scariest, which ones are like super cool, like, oh, wow, they're running a buffalo onto the field. or like, oh, look, that tiger could just like start killing people if it's mishandled. Aga is not that way, but it's kind of like iconic as a little bulldog. <sighs> I don't know. I just really love these lists. Um, those are the only three lists that the buffs made it onto uh, out of all of the, what, 10 or 12, maybe more than that, maybe closer to 15 that Sports Illustrated made for the 150th anniversary. So pretty good showing, I guess. Uh, would have liked to have seen Ralphie get a little more respect. Maybe Boulder could jump up a couple spots. I think it deserves to without having been to any of those other places. I'm excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, we have a comment here today from Michael Harrison. Uh, He says, hey, Hammer and Hank, I think I'm officially siding with Team Hank over Henry. Just has a nice ring to it. My question for you is in regard to the secrecy of college football practices. Why is it that most NFL teams have essentially every summer practice open to the public, but college practices are shrouded in mystery? Is it really about protecting your own schemes and game plan, or is it something entirely different? My personal theory is this. Practices are all about refining your game and improvement, but that also means they will look sloppy and have lots of mistakes. As a result, maybe teams don't want the media reporting that, as it may make a team look bad if a recruit is trying to find out if they want to attend that school. Might be a little far-fetched, but love to get more of your thoughts on that, Scobuffs. I think it's a lot of different reasons. There isn't one specific reason that coaches want to close practice. Um, off the top of my head, I can think of a couple decent ones. I mean, the first is just the control. Uh, when when you get to tell everybody what happened, you it's not just that you're you can lie and change the story and talk about the good things instead of the bad things. It's also that you can make sure that everybody is right according to how you see it you know if, if I watch practice and Mel Tucker watches practice we might see two different things we like he might say oh the receivers look incredible and I might say you know I'm not sure the defensive backs were playing well you know there's there's all these little differences in what people can see and Mel can just make sure that we are all seeing exactly what he sees um, which is one thing. It it's also that they want to control that message. There's that they want to focus on the positives, um, and I think that that's an important part of it. It's it's really interesting to me. I think you. It's a good point that the NFL teams have open practices all summer. Um, they're very controlled. So if, if you were to go to a Broncos training camp practice and they catch you taking a video, I think like the first time you take a video, it's a warning. The second time, though, they just boot you out. 
And so it's not like other teams can easily go into each other's practices and see what's going on. But as much as like with the schemes and stuff, other teams would want to know what teams are running. I think what coaches really want to protect is the week to week stuff. So how, how they're game planning because they have this whole system, but then they tweak it to fit this team or they might do something completely new just because they know that that's how they can beat whoever they're playing that week. And so early in the season, what they're putting in in training camp is just like their base offense. And maybe they start like, you know, for Colorado, maybe they're starting to game plan on Air Force. And so they're spending some extra time now. But basically, it's just like your basic system is what you're putting in. And in the NFL, that's rarely a surprise. You know, maybe maybe the Patriots have a couple new plays but we already kind of know what they're going to do because we've seen them do it for so long. Uh, same thing with, uh, you know, the Saints. Same thing with the Rams. Even even though, like, Sean McVay hasn't been around for long, it's long enough to see what he's going to do with the same pieces that he's had for a while. Uh, and I think that that's a big part of it, is that none of the scheme stuff is too big of a surprise. Whereas in college football, I mean, the Buffs are kind of... A, a wild case right now because they have a new coaching staff, but, but you, you don't really know as much about what a team is going to do. Think back to last year. Think back to last year when, uh, coach McIntyre was saying that LaVisca Chenault was the next big thing. And even around Colorado, like there was one writer in particular who said, no, he's not. We would have heard about it if that was the case. He's not just going to come out of nowhere. It's This is all overhyped stuff. He's not really that good. And he was wrong, obviously. LaVisca Chenault was a monster. And that's something that we didn't get to see because, I mean, first of all, because I was in Montana and wasn't following the buffs. But you guys, because you're not allowed in practice. And, I mean, maybe McIntyre spoiled it by saying that he wasn't going to uh, to play or spoiled it by saying that he was going to be very good when he could have kept it under wraps and instead of like going for 211 yards or whatever, he would have gone for 240. Whatever. But in college football, there's a lot more change. And I think that that's one of the more interesting points of like the, the transfer portal argument is that, you know, it's going to be like free agency, players going everywhere. Like that's the thing about college football is that it changes every single year. Like, the seniors are gone. You're getting a new class of freshmen. You don't know what to expect from half, from pretty much your entire team. I mean, you're projecting steps for the older guys. You haven't even seen the younger guys on a college football field. And it's just cycling through this so fast. I mean, four years is not a long time. And that's the time it takes from, like, stepping on campus to playing in your last football game. And so I think that that's a big part of it is that so much changes every year in college football. I mean, obviously, like I said, the buffs are the extreme case, all new schemes, all new that kind of stuff. We don't know exactly what it'll look like. Um, and so they want to close people out in part because of that. Um, yeah, and I think that those are the biggest ones. One of the storylines through this kind of stuff that I'm always interested in is the, you know... 
almost the media relations aspect, like the public relations aspect of the practices because, you know, like up in Montana, I, I got to watch practice every day, which was pretty nice. Um, and, you know, it was like coaches screaming at the kids, coaches like dropping F-bombs all over the place. Like they make Matt McChesney look tame. But that isn't necessarily a good look. And if one reporter wanted to say, like, here's a story about all of the ways that coaches cursed out players during practice this fall. I mean, first of all, they'd probably get their credential pulled because there's usually a rule that says, like, you can't report on what you see, you can't report on what you hear. And so you'd be breaking the policy by writing that story. But, you know, some particularly student newspaper reporters, they have a tendency to do this kind of stuff, you know they're they're gone they aren't going to stay covering this team and so losing the credential isn't that big of a deal plus it looks bad if the team is pulling a student reporter's uh credential and so there's like that battle but you know that's a story that could come out that the team definitely does not want to come out and you know there's other stuff too i mean you look at maryland a couple years ago when the coaching staff was very hard on the players made them run a lot, I mean, past the point where they should be, and one kid died. He passed out because of heat stroke and died. If there had been reporters around watching that, I'm sure somebody would have said something, or you'd hope that somebody would have said something like weeks in advance saying, what is what is this coaching staff doing? They're pushing these guys way too hard. And that's kind of like the flip side of the coin. That's also like a very extreme scenario, obviously. But... It's interesting to to think about that aspect and all that kind of plays into that side where it's, you know, these are public officials, maybe not officials, but they're public employees in University of Colorado funded by taxpayers, of course, and as well as crazy high tuition, which is why I didn't go there, but the they're kind of like working they're they're working for the government and also screaming at 18 to 22 year olds which is kind of a weird concept like i know it's football and it's just the way it works and that's how you get the most out of them like that's what every great coach has done ever the kids don't i mean generally don't mind it like they understand that that's how football works that's how college football works a lot of the time they need it because 20-year-old kids, if you aren't kind of hard on them, sometimes they get a little lackadaisical. But it is still just this weird thing where it's these government employees cursing out kids, and that's just not a great look. It's also interesting to think about like whether, since it is a public university and their, their practices, I mean, you know, should media be allowed in because... It is a public university sanctioned event. You know, I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting conversation. I really like this question. There's a lot that goes into why media isn't allowed in. And part of it is like you just don't want to have to enforce it. You know, like if if, if you say, yeah, you guys can come in, but you're not allowed to say these 10 things. Like you can't say who's working with the ones. You can't say what you hear. You can't say or anything like broad about what, how they're lining up, like what kind of personnel, play types, um, 
you know, they'll, they'll have this set of rules and they do the same thing with the Broncos. Um, but then if you break one of those rules, then the SID staff has to deal with it. And that's not something they want to do. They don't want to have to be patrolling Twitter and saying, oh, Henry, you tweeted uh, Sam Neuer looks like he's fallen behind whoever in the quarterback race. Uh, we need to keep that one under wraps, delete that, and then maybe like if you do it again. And they just don't want to have to deal with all that aspect as well. They don't want to deal with the extra people around on the sidelines watching. And so some of it's kind of just this numbers game as well where it's about saving space, saving time. It's just easier if they leave us outside the gate. And, you know, the NFL has the the money really that's what it comes down to to let people in and enforce all their policies you know it's it's just kind of common like every few weeks they'll reach out to bsn and say oh uh you guys this ad doesn't work because of some nfl policy boom you gotta you gotta switch it you gotta take off the video whatever or you know i this this tweet like that goes a little too far. It's it's just like this ongoing like back and forth, just like towing the line, and then they push back on the line, and that's something that I don't think anybody wants to have to deal with. So there's there's a lot that goes into why the practices are closed, um, and it's not <laughs> abnormal by any means. I've heard that the Buffs have one of the more relaxed media policies in the Pac-12. Um, if if you ask to talk to a player, you almost always get him. I think I'm something like 22 of 24 with my requests so far. Uh, you know, it's not all that bad. Plus, <laughs> plus on the other side, like it seems like every like once once or twice a week, uh, somebody who listens to the show, somebody who follows me on Twitter, is invited to go to practice. They have a bunch of guests at practice every day, and then they hit me up with the details and so I kind of know what's going on and again like I can't report all these details because I'm not allowed to based on their policies which is reasonable but it's just always kind of good to know what's going on so I kind of have an idea of what's what to expect so those are some thoughts on the uh, closed practice policy which is something that we've talked about quite a bit because it is interesting I think and because I can't tell you about what I see on the field because I'm not seeing anything on the field. Good question. Love the questions. The more questions, the better. Uh, questions are exclusive to BSN subscribers, an exclusive right. If you use the code SCOBUFFS, S-K-O-B-U-F-F-S, you can get $10 off a year-long subscription. Brings the cost down to $34.99. Get a free shirt. Get to read all of our content. We're going to have videos coming here shortly. Uh, and you can comment on today's episode, uh, which would be called something, I don't know what I'm going to call it, something about the Sports Illustrated ranking, something about uh, Sam Neuer, I don't know. But go to that page, go to that post, go down the bottom, leave your comment, I'll read it on tomorrow's show, and talk about it. And if it's a good question, like we had today from Michael, it will take up the entire segment because there's some interesting stuff to talk about and you guys have great ideas. Um, I think that's it for today. I hope I see all of you on Saturday at Blake Street Tavern. 
We're going to take over that Broncos watch party, turn it into a college football watch party because the college football games matter. The Broncos preseason game does not matter at all. So let's let's overrun that Broncos party. Uh, make Ryan talk college football with us instead of talking Broncos. Hope to see you there. Um, I'm about to head out to practice now, and I'll let you know how that goes tomorrow. See ya. Bye, guys. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we station, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey, hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.